Welcome back to the Deeper Dive podcast produced locally in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Here at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in La Plata, Maryland. My name is Bill Winnell, once again joined by Father Jack Ferrard. Hey, Bill. Today we're going to talk about 1 Corinthians 13. It's the second reading this for this coming Sunday. Uh, if you're not familiar with it off the top of your head, everyone go in their bathroom and look at the plaque on your wall. <laughs> I'm sure you have one in there or somewhere else in your house. So, Father Jack. That's right. That's right. This is this is one of the most famous readings in all of Scripture, right? For or most chapters, I should say, in all of Scripture. Uh, you know, it's it's actually it's kind of one of those. It's like Psalm 23, where you don't really know the whole thing, but you know the first part, right? You can, you know, Psalm 23, you're like, the Lord is my shepherd. Oh, yeah, sure, there's nothing else I want. But nobody knows that there's a part where you go into a tent and you're anointed with oil, right? Well, here's here's the New Testament version of that, um, where, where 1 Corinthians 13, which um, starts, I, I mean, the second reading this weekend starts actually the verse before. It's the last of chapter 12. So the last couple of weeks we've been talking about charisms, right? These great acts that one does for the sake of the, the greater sake of the church. And uh, then Paul says this, he says, but strive for the greater gifts, right? So we should be aiming high in all of our life, right? We shouldn't be looking for kind of uh, the, even the mighty works or mighty deeds of the, the world or the inter- or speaking in tongues, but what we should look for is service to others. And then he says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And this is something that is lost. Um, Doesn't that remind you like Bill and Ted at all? Come on. You know what you're going to hate right now? Oh, no. Bill and Ted's before my time. <laughs> okay, Father Larry's not here, so I have I to take the brunt. That's fine. Yeah, That's yeah. Fine. I mean, I hate to say it, but... Uh, it's yeah. just funny for when you hear those words from Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more excellent way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so like, the this is actually... I think this is this is a, a very prophetic thing to hear in, in the modern American Christian church, right? Maybe not... Uh, Catholic, uh, well, definitely not Catholic alone, and maybe it's more problematic. I think in certain fundamentalist churches, right? Um, you know, a lot of it's actually there's a whole trend on social media called exvangelical, right? Which is people who have left the evangelical church because they don't follow this this first part of of First Corinthians thirteen, in my estimation, um, which is. If I speak in tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. There's a lot of that uh, in uh, and 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 on, on various levels, um, but there's a lot of that that goes around. Um, I almost I would say seventy five to eighty five percent of fallen away people, whether it's Catholic or Protestant, um, are because of this reality. Not because people didn't know the faith, not because they weren't doing good things or they weren't doing the external actions like giving away their possessions, um, but but. They, nobody ever saw true love. Like nobody ever saw them willing the good of the other, um, which is hard. I know because some of the accusations are not true, right? You know, uh, well, you didn't accept me for who I was. Well, no, oh, I okay, fine. Um, there's there's more to it than that. I do get that. I'm not, you know, trying to be accusing anybody. Don't don't hear it as an attack on yourself. 
But at the same time, like there's a lot of that kind of nonsense going on of just let's see how powerful I can be in a Christian sense. And um, devil sneaks into that quite a bit, that kind of pride. Um, I remember when I was in Focus, um, we had this real, I think I've talked about him before, but this really nasty street preacher, right? Not all of them are, right? I remember one time I walked past a guy and he says, hey, do you have a minute to talk? And I didn't. And I said, or he goes, do you want to talk about Jesus? And I said, sorry, man, I'm good. And he turned and he was like, I'm not. And I was like, dang, man, I actually want to stop and talk to you now, right? Like that was just like so genuine, so honest, so quick. Like that was good on you. But this guy was nasty. <laughs> and he, he sat in the corner. Everybody's going to hell. Okay, well, fine, sure. Um, there's some truth to that. But, um, but I just every time he spoke, you know, everybody was brought down. Like there was, you know, if if, if you saw if I saw him now, I'd be like, oh, the guy's possessed a little bit. You know, he's he's definitely oppressed, and he doesn't even realize he's doing more harm than good. And he's screaming at me, screaming over me. He's, you know, there's nothing kind or gentle about him. And if I'm saying that, like it's bad. And and I went, well, you know what Paul says? And I said, if you speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, you're nothing but a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. And he cuts me off and he starts screaming again. And I went, gong, and walked away, right? And, you know, <coughs> not, not my most charitable moment, but it, it leads to a very fun story to tell back at the Newman Center. And <laughs> and I think I won some, some buddies of mine uh, over that day because they were like, wow, you talked to him for that long? And like, yeah. Um, but, it, but like it, it does begin to highlight this, this need of Christian, the foundation of Christian witness is not in even big things, right? It's not in miracles. It's not in, uh, authority, right? Cause, cause Paul cl- includes, uh, apostles and teachers as charisms in, in chapter 12. Um, it's not in speaking in tongues, it's not even praying well, right? Or being able to interpret or discern spirits. The foundation of Christian Christian witness is in love, and if we don't get that, uh, if we think it's truth, if we think it's you know authority, if we think it's you know all these things, we're we're gonna lose. We're, we're never gain anything. We'll never win a soul for Christ. Um, and then the rest comes in, right? He really uh, then then he becomes a, a bit more famous uh, part of part of this chapter where he. Uh, list what love really is um because like anybody's ever heard um a homily on uh it would be it's in the easter season every you know john what is it chapter 21 the uh peter at the shore right you know come have breakfast right everybody's favorite uh scriptural line come have breakfast um but you know do you love me more than these will feed my sheep right and uh you know everybody's heard the greek you know, he doesn't get to agape, so he drops it down for him, right? Which, you know, they're speaking in Aramaic, so who, how much Greek is there really? But, you know, we can kind of pin that argument for now. But we know that we kind of use love a little too freely, right? Um, <laughs> it's always my joke uh, with, with Gen Zers, the iGen generation. It's everything is a superlative, right? Um, there, There is, and that's, which is hugely problematic, I think, for, for mindset, but everything is... This was the greatest thing I've ever had, or my life is over because of a C on an assignment. Like, how could that possibly be true? Um, but that's very genuinely how how uh, people talk these days. Um, and so we say, "I love that. 
I love that you did that. I love that uh, you, you know, I love this pizza pizza. Like, um, or love is love, right? But what we see here is Paul, you know, inspired by the Spirit saying, actually, this is what love is. Um, and, you know, it gets mocked a little bit, but it's really beautiful if, we, if we're honest with it, which, you know, love is patient, love is kind, Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now the chapter keeps going, but just to pause there, just to be able to kind of talk a little bit about... um, about these initial qualities of love. Um, the last wedding I did had had this uh, as their second reading. It's pretty much the most common yep. uh, reading you're going to find at a wedding. <laughs> um, it's probably followed closely by Genesis chapter uh, 1, uh, where man leaves, man leaves his mother and, and cleaves to his wife, um, which is good. Um, and then... And then the wedding feast at Cana, because those are the other first options. Um, but, but here, I remember saying, I said, now I can give you a really cheap. This is this is how I start my homily. Uh, I said I can give you a really cheap, moral homily on how you should act in your marriage, where you replace love is with I will be, and and it works. Like it's actually really. I mean, it's true. Like I will be patient. I will be kind. I will not be envious or boastful or arrogant or rude, right? And it's a pretty happy life. Like, I mean, it's pretty, I don't think it's true. I don't think anybody's actually lived up to that expectation. <laughs> but but if we lived that way, I think we would do well. Um, but I think what we see in this, in these qualities, is that it's really meant to say this is God. Like, this is how we show forward uh, God in in the world. Um and it's through this love, which we hear in First John chapter four, that God is love. So you know we should make this active connection between these qualities and the qualities of God. Um, yeah. Um, did you, Bill? Did you? Do you remember your wedding readings? This was one, of course. Yeah, <clears throat> um, yeah I'm trying to remember the other. Uh, don't remember the other. Yeah. I didn't when I did my sister's wedding. Uh, they they went bold. They they picked Ephesians five. Uh, wives be subordinate to your husbands. <laughs> that was and I was like, are you really picking this? And she goes, not only that, but I'm waiting for you to preach on it, <laughs> which, which I think I did um, because because it you know it has the same core, which is um, marriage isn't about you, right? And that was what I told the couple actually last month. Um, I was like, I get it, guys. Like, you look great today. This is a beautiful church. It was, it was Corpus Christi Church in Baltimore. It's phenomenal Gothic church. I mean, it's worth a field trip. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I was like, everything is going, there. every camera's on you right now. Like, all these things. I said, but your marriage, this sacrament, isn't you. Like, you're... You have a responsibility to point to Christ, um, which, um, 
which I think we all like, that's the thing is we all participate in it through these qualities that, that Paul gives in this, in these, what is it? Verses four through seven. Um, and I just, I mean, there's an, there's an extent where there's an ideal in it. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think it's an ideal we can attain. Um, it's not, uh, you know, we maybe we're maybe we're imperfect in the in it, but we we there is it's a striving that we can um, actually point to very concretely, which is I think the strength of it. Um, yeah. How? <coughs> excuse me. Sorry, guys. My voice is still <coughs> a little jacked up. Um, Lovely. The um, yeah. Pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> how have you loved? Uh, seems to be a question that mm. we all maybe struggle that we know is coming down the road at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like one of the questions, if we were given a list of questions that uh, we're going to be asked, so to speak, how have you loved is probably not, probably not far from the top of the <laughs> list, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, and I think that's kind of part of this, this issue, right? Is that we, we think that, um, Okay, here's 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 my kind of one of my griefs or griefs right now is is the difficulty of trying to explain or trying to articulate that gentle teaching that says I am both <laughs> called to stand up for the truth and and be on the right side of everything and be loving, patient, kind, gentle, not arrogant, rude, uh, you know. It's and that B part. It's <laughs> yeah. So so the thing is like so often. You hear, and I mean, I've even watched this happen just like in like a, watching a train wreck of just like, no, I need to be, you know, real firm on it. And it's like, yeah, but well, for what? I mean, I hear people say the wrong thing, I don't know, 10 times a day, you know? I mean, I can, I mean, I'm, I hate to say this way, but I'm like, there's like an arrogance in me that says like, I can call people out all day, every day if I want, you know? Like, I mean, the amount of people who get the act of contrition wrong in the confessional, like, like if I want to be nasty, I could, <laughs> and, and you hear stories actually of priests, uh, in, in ages past who, <laughs> who have done that. And they just like call out every single mistake. Um, Oh, you know, one of my favorite is the, the little kid who can't say I am heartily sorry. And so they say, I'm hardly sorry. Okay. Well, that's a big difference. Uh, somebody, somebody, instead of saying detest all of my sins that I desist all of my sins, which, you know, is of course distracting <laughs> to me because I'm a child. And so like, I'm like, cease and desist. I yep. guess it works. Um, but you know, like we can do this, we can do those kind of really, you know, mocking problems. We can, you know, I can go at people for confessing sins that aren't sins or, and to what, you know, what, what is being revealed? And I think that's something that's lost in, that I think, and I wasn't there, obviously, but I think that's something that the early Christians got that we don't, is they wanted Christ to be proclaimed so badly, so boldly, that they were willing to give up everything. (laughs) And we think that just means their lives, which is definitely the most precious of the things they gave up. But I think it's even this kind of stuff, where it's like, we (laughs) we could sit there and be like, uh, I mean, I, you know, if we were honest with ourselves, what if we apply Like, what if we apply this to politics? You know, like what if we were like, all right, 
I want the church to be this way. I want the church to be patient and kind. I want the church to not be envious or boastful, arrogant or rude. Well, you know, how many times, I don't know, I always kind of get this, like, this tension in the back of my neck, and I get the American, like, we have to be treated equally. I get that we have these rights that um, that are enumerated in our Constitution, and I'm not saying we should, um, you know, completely, like, I'm not saying it's just that we don't receive the same ones, but every time I hear somebody say, we have to, we have to fight. And, and it's like, but at what cost, you know, like, um, like what, what are we gaining from not being good citizens? What are we gaining from not showing a humble sort of love, a humble sort of, uh, patience and, um, and humility as a witness? Um, we may gain, I mean, I hate to say this way, but we, we may gain our tax benefits, um, but are we losing souls? I, I think so, actually. I think it's a, it's a, um, you know, at least, at least, I mean, and, and, and uh, like it's, it is part of the goodness of, of having the institution, like the, uh, the Catholic church tends to survive these things a little bit better because, you know, we have people who are in charge, but like, I don't, I, I don't know. I read the opinions at the end of like Supreme court cases, but I don't spend a lot of time thinking about politics in themselves. Right. Why follow all of this stuff? Um, knowing that it just brings the anxiety and just forces us to, to change, to be worldly minded. Um, I always love it because people come up to me. Did you hear about this? And I, I can just very honestly say, s- almost with a <clears throat> fail. No, no, I, I didn't hear what the governor of New Mexico did yesterday. Well, he did. He appointed this person. Can you believe it? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, and you know what? It's never going to affect me. I'm never going to move to New Mexico. And, <laughs> even, and even if I did, I'm, I, I don't know. It, it just, yeah, you, you gotta. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I don't, uh, you know, I, I love to tell people, I don't care if abortion ever is made illegal in the country. It should be. I absolutely think it's ridiculous. It's, it's immoral. It's unjust. <coughs> it is an absolute scar on the American uh, populace. But the reality is that it, it, I would much rather a, not another abortion took place in America. And that's not a, that's not a political reality. That's a moral, religious, spiritual reality so am i okay with never having to do the march for life again uh, yeah the day where i think it will work to just give up but um but the the bigger thing i think is that you know i kind of preached this at, at the nine o'clock mass last uh friday at the pro-life mass i said we have to march different we have to be different than any other protest that goes out there we have to be different and truly sacred set apart from anything else that you would see um because if we're not then, then we're just using our faith as a cover for for a reality of what we want to be doing. So, so I think though, on a more personal level, like taking this in, that's it's only with that kind of as a background that we kind of look at at our own life of kind of saying, I, where am I impatient? Where am I unkind or envious, boastful, arrogant, rude? Um, and I even see, cause, you know, because those are kind of pretty simple, but like, um insisting on our own ways, right? Like the, it's, it's, it's a humility that is greater than just, um, 
that is greater than we normally kind of discuss. Um, and the problem is, it's not just this, you know, it, lists are great because sure. you, yeah. <laughs> they help every make everything easier. Listen, Catholics love lists. Yeah, and <laughs> but so we have these lists, but then what you don't have is, you know, where it's <laughs> it says, by the way, this applies at home, in the workplace, mm. um, in traffic on the beltway, yeah. in a snowstorm, <laughs> and um, various other things. I mean, it's... When you it, wake up without any <laughs> heat or hot water in your house and it's 50 degrees in, you, in the room... <laughs> That's a that's a good time to be irritable. Did you see your breath though this morning? No, but I actually did try to see. You know how you can like change how your breath comes out. Oh, sure. So yeah. And I tried, and I was like, "Dang it, <clears throat> I don't get to say it." Um, if I'm going to complain about, it, I want to complain about it good. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you, so I mean, you know, a lot of us. Uh, I'll speak for my. I will only speak for myself. So I can. It, it's. This is a full time job for me. <laughs> so and like i said because i you know you each environment is completely different yeah. you know you walk out of your house your home and your family and then you go say you're at work and then uh you know parish life presents a pro presents a whole host of problems that i never never experienced in my main career in the in the government all those years you know i did not have um smiling very happy people walking into the office uh, on a daily basis um, with ideas and, and, and all these things. And so, yeah, like I said, each, each environment really presents its own difficulties in living this out. Oh yeah. Um, struggle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, and I think I, you know, and I think this is uh, one of the, one of the things that I have, you know, I've kind of seen in, 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 you know, counseling people, especially in grief is, is I think um, because kind of going back to a previous thing of like we make words cheap, we forget that love has this cost and it has this risk that is involved, right? So so I look at like this this verse 7 where love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And the reality is that for most people, it's not true. They'll They'll bear some things. They'll endure a few things they yeah, will the word all is is repeatedly used. usually a good sign yeah that this is uh you know repetition is a rhetorical device yeah. <laughs> so so when you see this it's it's to kind of really highlight like we don't we don't really get to pick and choose all of this um you know i but i also see the people who are most at peace are the ones who um you know actually live this out and and because father scott's not here i get to try and canonize him which is one of my favorite pastimes yeah. like with father larry i just tried to knock him down as many pegs as i possibly could right but father scott that doesn't work he just laughs it off so there's no fun but canonizing this man ooh, gets under his skin so he lives this out better <clears> than anybody i've seen i've he told me the other day which is probably not a story he once repeated but he said he was you know kind of grogging in the chapel and and uh and a ladybug walked across his breviary. And he said, he looked down, it's a ladybug. He looks up, there's Our Lady, a statue of Our Lady. And he goes, it's going to be a good day. And I, like, I, he told me that in the evening. And I wanted to punch him. Like, because I'm just like, how are you like this? Like, how do you just hope and love all things? Like, I, a light, ladybug is on the other side of the chapel. And I'm like, how did that son of a, get in here? Like, you know, and he's like, this day will be good because of this pest, right? And I'm just like, there it is, right? Like that's, that's like, we want peace. We want joy. 
that's where it comes from, right? Is to be able to to love by taking on all things and not trying to find the worst of it, not trying to fix, right? Not trying to, but to say, no, this is good. I'll take this on, and and there's a um, that's 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 true sanctity, I think. Um, and sanctity is basically another word for love uh, in this instance. Um, but just to kind of you know, so that we don't belabor these these qualities, because because this is where, um, yeah, this is I think where where Paul kind of adds uh, some kind of theological meaning, like some revelatory means. Okay, so up till now, it's kind of been a little bit more moral, right? Kind of a description of what love is and how to do it. Now he's talking about, or how do we how do we get to know God a little bit better through through this act of love? And so starting in verse 8 to the end of the chapter on 13, that love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. And when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. So we kind of move through this uh, kind of an understanding of why love really is the, the goal. Like it has to be our end. If it's not we're wasting our time and and you know that's where you know paul lists out prophesy prophecies knowledge and tongues but we could have done anything with those and or he could have but these are the ones i think are probably the most attractive to man um and they seem to be very much directed towards god i think that's kind of the 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 trick of this is that prophecies tongues and knowledge all seem to be pointed towards God, but they can't get into it. They can't get into him. They don't dive into the mystery of the Trinity. They just kind of touch the surface of them. Um, and I, th- I think that's where this this really kind of pushes us. Is. Um, I was going to say, in some ways, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's giving us the progression right? mm-hmm. of, of where, you know, what, we, what we were, yeah. Where we've been and what we where we will be. Yeah. I mean I think and and it's so funny because I know I know we rarely quote Carl Rahner on on the uh on the Deeper Dive podcast and for good reason. Um but he, he's not all bad, but he does uh move a little bit off of you know, kind of traditional church doctrine and um a lot of his stuff is very confusing. Um even if yeah, even if you know what you're talking about, it can be very confusing. Um but he gives a he gives a really good analogy. He says that man is the grammar of God, um, meaning that when God decided how he was going to write himself into the world, he did it through man, right? Instead of any other creature um, or any other creation, he said, "This is how." I, and and we know that's true because how did Jesus come as man, right? Uh, the second person of the Trinity took on flesh. He did not take on a tree. He did not take on a lion or an elephant. He Lady said. Bug. He did not take on a ladybug. Uh, 
Um, not to say those things, and that's a good example, not to say those things can't say something of the goodness of God, but they aren't what he desired. It wasn't the fulfillment of, of, of God's plan. Right? And that echoes, of course, uh, creation stories. So we have with that uh, this idea of like we, we are the way in which God desires to write, and we're written in such a way that even secular philosophers would talk about, like Aristotle would talk about man as a social being. Right, our political animal, um, meaning we always are in community. We ha- like we just have to be. There's something um, unhealthy for to be in long isolation, um, and and it's true because <laughs> what is it? Uh, Eastern State Penitentiary, right up in Philadelphia. Yes, um, one of the early jails in the United States. Photographers dream now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but if I remember. Uh, one of the reasons they stopped using it was because people kept going crazy. Why? Because it was it was made in like a circular fashion, but in a way in which you would never see another human. And so everybody went nuts. And why? Because even though like it might not be safe necessarily to uh, house people, you know, allow for free contact and all this stuff, and you need to you know do all the things you have to do to to um, for the for the well being of society and and the guards. <laughs> You also can't let them go go berserk because um, by by isolating for long periods of time, like like weeks and months and years. Um, so, um, yeah. So we see that as like okay, yeah. We don't we don't even need revelation to see that part is true, um, but rather what we're seeing in in love is that it has to be for the sake of another. Um, and it's probably important to kind of caveat now because we can kind of, I'm already hearing the, oh, but father, what about like the desert fathers? What about, you know, those monks who, who live or hermits who live uh, apart from everything? Well, even they, for the most part, so the monks especially, still have a community. They may not be together often, but they come together and they also give themselves over for a very particular purpose. So they and they need grace to uh, to do what they're doing. Like it's it it is a supernatural vocation. Um, and to think of a you know kind of the opposite thing, but still um, to kind of highlight the the fact that we don't always take on what we think to be holy is uh, Saint John Vianney and his diet, right? Saint John Vianney, the parish priest, uh, patron saint of parish priests. Um, very, very, maybe not very famously, but would eat a, what was it? It was a, a loaf of bed, a bread a week and a potato a day. That was his diet. Um, most people try that would die. Uh, maybe not right away. He would maybe take, or they would at least get severely, they would be, they would be famished and they would be exhausted. They'd rather die. They would probably, yeah, yeah. <laughs> most of us would rather die. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and here I am complaining because one day was only 50 degrees. Um, and, and then, with, so, but he was not only not famished, but was one of the most energetic, self-giving priests of all time. Um, why? Well, because there's grace behind that, right? Like we, there are times in which God calls us beyond natural means, and that's where we have to see those people. It's also why uh, religious communities have a longer discernment process, even than uh, secular priests, so diocesan priests, because they know that there is a certain amount in which we are challenged naturally uh, beyond what we would uh, normally ask of, of another human uh, for this, that 
grace can provide that strength. So when we're, when we're seeing this, what we're, we're seeing is that God desires to show us himself, and he wants to complete us in what we were meant to be, which man has a, a need for community, has a need, to, uh, we have a need to, uh, to be together and to give over ourselves in love. Um, now we can do that weakly or we can do that strongly. Um, but I really love this line because I think uh, of verse 12, we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Um, it's important to remember that mirrors were not very good uh, 2,000 years ago, right? They were, they were basically silver. So when you're, seeing, when you're hearing him say that, think of, uh, think of looking at yourself in a spoon more than, uh, more than uh, like the, the mirror that you have in your bathroom. Uh, that, yeah, you're getting some image of yourself, but it's distorted and... Um, yeah, this, this translation is indistinctly. Yeah, right. So, yeah. so you get a... Yeah. You get something. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, you know, I, you know, I'm canonizing Father Scott as he's still alive. Um, but I really hope that this is posted before he has to drive home and he listens to it on the way just to see how angry he is when he gets back. Um, I'm, I may be canonizing him as he's still alive, but I'm also well aware that he's not divine. Right. Like, you know, like I'm getting some image of like, yeah, God's working in the world through, through these, through the great witnesses of the saints. But even they're not. They're, they're not. They're just not God. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with saying that. Um, so we, we, we should see it ourselves. It's like, all right, like we talk about love as as knowing that it's showing something of God when we're interpersonal. But it kind of just says, and if that was fulfilled, if that was all of what I could be, um, how much greater it would be. If these really small acts of love, um, you know, make a difference, then like, just imagine what a being who is pure love would be able to give us. Um, I remember when I got off the plane in Rome, um, or maybe it was right right past security. Somebody handed me a water bottle, like from the from the North American college. They were like, "Here, you know, the, you're probably dehydrated because that's what happens on you know nine hour plane trips." And I've I've there was like a part of me that was just like, I don't remember the last time I had such a kindness. You know, <laughs> like it was so stupid. It was a twenty five cent water bottle, um, but. It, it was so it was the whole thoughtfulness of it that really did set the tone for me to kind of be like oh wow people actually do care and you know all these things and um and I remembered it a year later um when I was doing the other side of that role and uh somebody said they're like how did you remember that I was like because it was just so important to me in that moment um to feel that kind of to feel that gift of love um that I think we can kind of see like okay if if we're imperfect and we can do these little things, right? How does a God who is perfect, who actually sees all things, who is not um, so finite, um, who has the wisdom beyond what our knowledge is, like what is he going to show? What is he able to do in terms of his love, right? And that's that's the power of the cross. That's the power of, of, of this uh, whole chapter is that we're beginning to see that like if we can do all this, Right, even in like kind of imperfect and veiled ways, like, like God does this so much more perfectly, um, and and the effect of it is so much more powerful because He is that much more perfect. Um, yeah. So, 
the only problem with with talking about it in the podcast is I feel like I can't now I can't preach on this and That's I got right. I got to give a different homily on something. So you're actually going to preach on the gospel. <laughs> actually, no, I think I'm going with the first reading because it's Jeremiah before I formed you in the womb. I think. Um, okay. so, so I'm still getting out of it. I'm okay. gonna see. I'm gonna see how long in the old t- or uh, ordinary <laughs> time I can go without preaching the gospel, um, which sounds like a really bad game to play. Um, and I still might, cause, cause actually the gospel's great. I mean, it's uh, uh, no prophet is accepted in his own native place, but, um, but yeah, this. I mean, I think, I think this. We sh- we should be studying this uh, more intently. Like, I think, I think, um, it's, it's so like, as much as we, <clears throat> especially me, joked about it in the beginning. Is it is it is it a is it a is it a, a sc- passage in scripture that we probably ought to take to. Uh, prayer more so instead of me laughing at it hanging I think, on the wall. I think, yeah, I, okay, yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. I think you sh- we should be taking this to prayer more often rather than trying to see what cool font we can make and then hanging in our bathroom, right? Like, I mean, this is this is like, uh, yeah, the most serious of things we could be reflecting upon or among the most serious things we could be reflecting upon. Um, but sometimes I think it, it, it does feel a little cliche, right? And so... Um, but I think that's kind of the power of this is that it should be able to break through the cliche if we do the whole thing, yeah. right? If you just take those three verses in the center, um, all right, here, I'm going to show my, my, my worldly side. There's a great scene in How I Met Your Mother where they're mocking all of the wedding traditions, right? And like all that they, that they say are cliche. And actually the, the uh, Marshall does this really great reading of this, you know, really kind of, reflective powerful love is cliche and it's really kind of beautiful and then and then what's her name lily responds with <laughs> right you know and it's like no like that's kind of it is like we we just feel like we've heard it so many times but are we reflecting on it? are we contemplating are we allowing it to bring us closer to god as it's meant to um and i think we got to put the whole thing together what, just out of curiosity, what what translation was were you uh, using nrsv okay because actually as i'm reading along with you I like that much better than the this. This NAD. is my this is my preferred. Yeah. Um, I like this one and the uh, the one by Ascension Press. It's pretty similar that they put together. It's almost exactly the same, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge NAB fan. Yeah, I don't think anyone is. Yeah. Well, somebody is clearly. But, but this is this yeah. tends to be considered more literal um, than poetic. Okay. So, um, yeah, I you know hopefully this hopefully something of this you know sponsor or uh, sparks a little desire for prayer a reflection on it that you may um yeah kind of see love in its proper context right that it's not uh contrary to to truth it's not contrary to prophecy knowledge or tongues it's not contrary to any of the things that are good but rather it's meant to be the fulfillment of all of these gifts that god gives out um we build up the church most perfectly not not by seeking the secondary things, but by seeking the highest good, which is love, right? The great, uh, what is it, Resolus Suli. We do the small acts with great love, right? That is that is the way in which the gospel is truly proclaimed. And that's why she's one of the two uh, patrons of foreign missions, even though she never left the convent. So uh, hopefully hopefully, yeah, hopefully, you bring it to prayer. And uh, we'll close with a blessing. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Made heaven and earth. And may the blessing of Almighty God come down upon you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit.